Tonight on This Is Vinyl Tap, a baby boy just being born, chilling your soul right to the marrow. Look to the sky and hum a bluesy song, shuffled and stacked on a postcard rack. I'm gonna sleep with you till the early morning, gonna walk with you in the sunlight of the dawn, sweet stepping lightly on a two-track road. In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories. Good evening, everybody. As you can tell, tonight, I am your host, Tony Slagle. And I'm joined in the Vinegar Room, the home office, if you will, of This Is Vinyl Tap, by our very humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe. Good evening, Tapsters. And of course, our host, though he's not hosting tonight, Doug Cooper. That's right. That's me. Tonight we're talking about the 1972 debut album by B.W. Stevenson, also called B.W. Stevenson. And uh, for those of you who are unaware, B.W. Stevenson was he's known as one of these, at least in Texas, as one of these artists that was part of the progressive or outlaw country genre of the early 70s which is you know based in austin we've talked about it before and uh it, it's its core was having this more authentic country roots-based sound than than what was coming out of nashville at the time yeah and we've talked about a lot of people on this podcast who were part of that with willie nelson jerry jeff walker billy joe shaver willis allen ramsey waylon jennings waylon jennings go back and you can listen to those episodes if you want to but tonight we're talking about someone who's by all accounts a much lesser known member of that group and since this album came out in 1972 i'm imagining <laughs> longtime listeners or know who picked this album so jm why did doug pick this album <laughs> no. well it was made 1972 i don't know let's go to doug all that right. was just a little that was a little joke you will, Doug. Well, I don't know that JM wouldn't have picked this eventually. I probably would have picked it eventually, yeah. I picked this album for several reasons. Uh, the most obvious is that I have loved this album for a very long time. I was trying to figure out when I first got a co copy of this album, and I was unable to. I do know that I heard it over and over again uh, on ski trips to Colorado. It's in somebody's, uh, we got the uh, Canadian Drives <laughs> busting loose that's uh, we're, we're going to try to make canadian dry ginger ale our sponsor yeah. ladies and gentlemen um, first if we're going to do that we should call it by its proper name <laughs> canada dry uh, uh, but yes but uh i have so much affection for our canadian friends and yeah. I, I just have trouble saying canada <laughs> anyway 
I've loved this album forever. The main reason, one of the main reasons I picked it though, is I feel it's a, a very good album that almost gets no attention. I think the artist almost gets no attention. Yeah. And this is one of our tragic stories about yeah. a, a very talented person with a good heart that just didn't get the right treatment. So we're here to make up. We're going to use our vast audience to correct that problem. Yeah. Except uh, we're too late. Go go ahead, Jan. Well, yeah, and you say he's also one of those guys where where his songs are you probably know songs by him. Uh, probably the most obvious is "My Maria," which he had a pretty big hit with. Uh, it was the on if it's what was his third album, second it album. It was on his his uh, third album, which I don't believe initially was called "My Maria." I think yeah. they renamed it "My Maria" after yeah. this. Yeah. Shall we play a little bit of it? Yeah, for let's the people? do that. Yeah, so I grew up, that was on the radio. I guess I can't remember exactly where I was living, but it, I remember I lived in a, a town called Mason, Texas, and it was uh, it was played a lot there. We didn't get a whole lot of radio out there. but And then it seemed like that when I was playing guitar, B.W. Stevenson was kind of the go-to guy to, you were sitting around the campfire doing that kind of singing. He had and, a lot of cool little licks. Yeah, he had a great little, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, so... A couple of things I think we need to talk about just to get the elephant out of the room first. When, if, for those of you who don't know who this person is, and I was one of these people until we did this album, you look at this album cover and you're thinking one thing and then you hit play on it and you hear a voice that maybe more than anyone we've ever talked to completely <laughs> mismatches what you're expecting <laughs> to hear come out of this guy. He looks like you know, he's all burly. He's got a stovepipe top, stove top hat yeah. on, whatever. Yeah. And he looks like, you know, you know, he's going to be this gruff voice. And he's got this amazing voice. Secondly, his guitar playing is, when utilized properly, phenomenal. It's perfect for the music. He and does, and yeah. Doug's right. He's got these little licks and the way he plays. It seems perfect for exactly what you're talking about, James, sitting yeah. around the fire and playing this stuff. He was one of the, like, he's one of those guys where I started when I was learning to play guitar I started learning his licks. I started going, "Hey, this is fun," and I kept. And you just kind of keep going down that road with him because he's got so many of those licks, and they're so fun to play. And but <laughs> singing along with this guy is not necessarily yeah <laughs> easy. In fact, if you are starting to think, "Hey, maybe I'm a good singer," I would suggest driving around in a car and uh, recording yourself trying to sing with B.W. Stevenson because <laughs> well, the guy can go. Very high, he yeah. can go very low, he can go very powerful, and he yep. can be one of the most tender singers that yep. you'll ever hear. Yeah, he's he's really got all kinds of range. Yeah. Well, and that that goes to a little bit of his history. He he actually went to college, I believe, was it on a scholarship, um, a voice scholarship to North Texas State, which is now UNT. Oh wow. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, that's where, uh, that's a music school. And a lot of the people we've talked about yeah. go there for a little while till they figure it out. Yeah. And, and he, he was, 
the the thought was he was possibly going to be an opera singer. I mean, that's what the school wanted him to wow. be. He wasn't interested in it, and he didn't take his his schooling very seriously, and he got <laughs> ended up getting kicked out. We'll get into that a little bit later. But his voice, just to talk piggyback on what Doug said, his voice was phenomenal enough for him to get a scholarship to the, the a music school in Texas, and for people to consider him to be a possible opera singer. And and to the credit of Brooks and Dunn. When they were approached about covering My Maria, they both were very intimidated by, by the voice. Yeah. So I, I could see that being the case. You know, it's interesting. That song for Stevenson was a number nine pop song. It hit number nine on the pop charts. It's interesting. The label, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but the label didn't know what to do with him, really. He got a lot of what, what, what play he got on the charts was always either on the easy listening charts, adult contemporary charts, or the pop charts. But he was he was categorized as a country singer, and I think that's probably it, maybe not country, but what he probably would have wanted to be was a Texas singer songwriter yeah. of the same ilk as like Jerry Jefferson and like that. And they they kept trying to not just a country singer, but a real poppy yeah. artist with yeah, uh, which is not really where he is. No, and there's no. not singing songs about. Uh, poodle skirts. <laughs> no, and there's some of the leanings on this album where you find that they're leaning towards trying to get that pop sound, and it yeah. and it's it's a weird juxtaposition considering a what he's singing about and b what his voice is doing. It's I would love strange. to hear someone redo this, reproduce this record. Yeah, it's if it's if very it, sparse, but it needs to be sparser. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely. Big needs to heavy be strings come in. Yeah, and and it is not appropriate. Yeah. And there's points where the chorus is big and overshadows his voice, which is also not appropriate. Right, I don't know right. who decided that well, decision. You know? you know, while we were doing this, it reminded me of the Johnny Cash record we we did, <laughs> and I thought, too bad we can't. No. Who, who produced that? Rick Rubin. Yeah, Rick Rubin too couldn't bad. get a hold of. of if if we could get Rick Stevenson. Rubin with B.W. Stevenson, I think we'd have an immediate <laughs> classic. Yeah. One one other thing that uh, I can't remember what I'm about to say. So just um, one of the one of the kind of interesting things that we've hit on before when we've been talking about the artists who touch on the whole um, Austin music scene is um, a lot of them are not from Austin. Yeah. But a lot of them did know each other or knew of each other prior to coming down here. And this is another one of these stories. I mean, he went to Adamson High School in Oak Cliff. Yeah. Doug, who else went to that school? Well, we have a very interesting group of people who went to school there. One of them we've talked about already, Ray Wiley Hubbard. You got to say it like Jerry Jeff does. Ray Wiley Hubbard. Who actually was never Wiley something, Jerry Jeff or whoever. I think that was someone else that hollered that out. Um, but there, it is a very interesting high school. This is, I think, the second most interesting high school we've talked about. Sam yeah. Cook went, yeah, went to the best one. Larry Gross. Uh, there's a show called... Fresh Air. No. no that's, t- that's, that's Terry, Terry Gross. <laughs> there's a show called Mountain Stage or something. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's one of the guys. Uh, I think he's the host. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, West Virginia. That. Um, that's a good show. West yeah. Virginia... Public radio mm-hmm. mountain. Stage. That's a very good show. Yeah, it's actually. been on so, a while too. Anyway, okay, I just lost two friends. Um, so Larry Gross d- did that. You ever listen Ray to that Wiley. show? Yeah, it's a good yeah. show. I, I just, I'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> so uh, 
Michael Martin Murphy, who used to be Michael Murphy, who has uh, two songs on this record, also went to high school there. And these guys were about two or three years apart. Yeah, Michael Martin Murphy was a couple of years before him. And that's an interesting story. B.W. Stevenson was the last to come out of there. But I would like to turn our attention to a couple of other people that went to high school there. Jim Wright. Ah, not really. Former... Speaker, Speaker of the of House, the, house wow. the U.S. House of I, uh, Representatives. I actually met him in his office and got to sit in his office with a bunch of people what while, while was he, he was Speaker. What law was he breaking while you were in his office? I have no idea, <laughs> but it was pretty cool. And uh, this is probably my favorite, Ivana Craig. Nope. You don't know? I didn't either, but I did research. Yeah. She played Batgirl. On the 60s TV. Oh, really? Oh, oh that's wow. pretty funny. Yeah. But more important than that. She was the green girl in Star Trek. <laughs> oh, is that why you sent that thing to us? I <laughs> that couldn't understand her. what the heck Well, you she wasn't the, the, not in the pilot, but she was in a later episode. There was yeah. a lot of Orion slave girls, Jay. Yeah. There yeah. Was not just one. Um, I was ladies wondering and gentlemen, why you sent that to us. If, uh, if you didn't happen to be an adolescent growing up, <laughs> there, the impact of the green Orion slave girls on yeah. young men yeah. during their uh, coming development age yes. years uh, is profound. It's, mm-hmm. I think it was later copied by uh, Princess Leia when she was um, captured by that big fat Jabba worm. the Hutt. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Yvonne Craig went to high school there. But back to B.W. Stevenson. It was a. It was really something to, that that school produced those. Yeah, those and and his connection with them remains. He goes out to California with Ray Wiley Hubbard in his Mustang without heat. Oh yeah, that's an that's a great story. <laughs> what happens, Doug? What smart thing do these two idiots do? <laughs> well, they get a kerosene heater. Uh huh. And, and 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 those are supposed to be used outside <laughs> and not in moving vehicles. Not in moving vehicles. And yeah. then they they slid off the road and uh, because of the fumes, right? Yeah, they were. Uh, they were being affected by the fumes. <laughs> anyway, they were at Hard the age Hard to know what where, they were probably being affected by. If At our age, we would be going, this is so irresponsible. I can't believe we're doing, think of all the bad things that can happen. But they were young and <laughs> yeah. free, and they're going out to California to make music. Michael Murphy was already out there hanging out with uh, one of the monkeys. Anyone want to get yeah. Uh, with Michael Nesmith, Michael, gotta I, be Michael Nesmith. So yeah, let's let's t- just. I know this isn't about him, but I briefly want to talk about him because it's interesting. So, which one's him? Michael Martin Michael. Murphy. Yeah, because yeah, well, he, he's interesting. He's all over the place. So he yeah. was in. He also went to went to North Texas, mm-hmm. and he was in a group uh, there. He joined this folk music club that had Stephen Fromholz, Ray Wiley Hubbard, Eddie Wilson. Who? That, you want to tell the folks who Eddie Wilson was? I don't know. Antones. He co-founded the Armadillo. Anyway, oh, oh, that's true. Thought you guys would know that. I, I you think, should. I um, should know that. I went to school with his daughter. Anyway, um, <laughs> after he after he graduates, he goes out to UCLA. I think for post grad. I'm not sure, but he's out there for school or something, and he gets a publishing deal with Sparrow Music, and um, gets involved in the folk scene. That's when, in 1964, he was he forms a group with Michael Nesmith um, called the Trinity River Boys. Really. Yeah, and his big break, kind of his one of his big breaks, is he ends up. Michael Nesmith asks him to write a song for uh, the Monkees album, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited, and he writes, "What am I doing hanging around?" Um, and then he starts writing songs for other people. I think Flat and Scruggs covered one of his songs. Bobby Gentry, Kenny Rogers in the first edition. And he gets he gets a little bit of 
Anyway, it's kind of interesting. I know we're not talking about him, but the reason why it's important to talk about that is because when we get to it, one of the things the record company decides to do on this B.W. Stevenson album is they're like, oh, here's a guy who can write great songs. Who cares? Let's promote a song that Michael Martin Murphy writes for him, and we'll talk about whether or not yeah. that was a benefit or not. Yeah. I, I think that at least one of these songs, Michael Murph, Michael Martin Murphy, I can't say Michael Martin Murphy. I grew up, it was Michael, Michael Murphy. Murphy yeah. Ger, Geronimo's Cadillac and yeah. thund, what was it? Like what thunder night something? What? I don't know. This is pre wildfire days. Yeah. yeah, I got two of those right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course Michael Martin Murphy did wildfire, which got up to number three, and it was huge, and it never went away. And it's a good song. He's a good songwriter. Yep. He he suffers from the same production problem that B. W. Stevenson was attacked with. Yeah. Except uh, I think he likes it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think I think, really I think his songs almost some of his songs lend themselves to that in a way. Sure. That B. W. I mean, I, yeah. Songs like don't. Wildfire. I tell you, you yeah. listen to him without a band, or it's really. Much, I'm sure. Much I'm sure it's great. Yeah. He's a he's a very good songwriter, a very good singer. Yeah, and, great uh, singer, pretty good guitar player too. Anyway, back but, to the other yeah. students. Well, yeah, and one of the one of the funny things, just going back to the history of B.W. Stevenson, when he leaves North, I keep wanting to call it North Texas because that's where Adams I grew up. When he leaves North Texas because he gets kicked out, there's only one school in Texas at the time because this is during the Vietnam War that would take students that had been forced out of another university because you know if you were in school you had to deferment. it. Yeah, and that was. Cook County Junior College in Gainesville. And as a result, that school was crazy. It had, <laughs> it had all the people who didn't want to go off to war, but they needed some place to go to school. So it was yeah. a nutso place. But he didn't last there very long either. And he ends up joining the Air Force. Hmm. It, the weird thing about him getting kicked out of uh, North Texas and he also gets leaves the Air Force early is he never he would never say why. People would ask him, and he would hold that very close to the vest. So who knows what was going on there? But he's discharged early from the Air Force, goes back to Dallas. He starts playing local clubs, working odd jobs. In 70, he goes down to Austin. He's looking for work down there. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when he heads, heads out to L.A. to sell some of his songs. Nobody's interested in this guy for some reason. Um, it's very, very strange. Yeah. I wonder if he was just – I've, I've seen him a number of times – and if someone told me he was horrible at selling himself, I I have no trouble believing that. I don't see this guy knocking on. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, knocking on uh, Leon Russell and. <laughs> oh yeah, what yeah. what Al Willis Allen Ramsey did. Now what what does happen to him that sort of is a profound impact on him is his fiance dumps him, and he doesn't know why, huh. and he starts to write these heart songs. these heartbreaking <laughs> songs that are just outstanding. Yeah, that's. You know, I've said it a hundred times. If you have a good songwriter, please, please do not let them get happily married. <laughs> and then you get lawyers in love. Well, and yeah, and then what happens is a, a local RCA rep in who's, I guess, in the Texas area hears him performing these songs and says, oh, I'm interested in this guy and signs him to a deal in 1971. Now, RCA Victor, <coughs> we've talked about them before. Yes, we have. 1949. <laughs> yeah, but they're they not came the up with they're the, not the heroes they're of the this enemy. story. No, they're not. <laughs> Does anybody have any connections we want to talk about? Yeah. 
can I go <coughs> since I only have one? Sure. Probably the most obvious one. Mickey Raphael. Who's that, Jam? He is a harmonica player for Willie Nelson, who has played, uh, come up numerous times on this show with Willie Nelson, Redheaded Stranger, and uh, Towns Van Zant uh, at my window. And it's almost else? like you need a law to not have him on your. You have to go to con- <laughs> you have to yeah. go to the state legislature and get a special. Yes. Well, when you, when you go, yeah, when you go look at um, when yeah. you go to look at Discogs or whatever it is, and it'll show um, somebody and how many albums they've been. I think his is up in the 400, yeah. 500 range. It's amazing. I believe it. Yeah, he's the. Uh, He's the um, wrecking crew of Texas. Yeah, the wrecking crew of Harmonica. <coughs> Hal Blaine of Harmonica. Okay, well, that's a good one, Jam. It, it was a low-hanging fruit, but it's a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Doug, do you have a connection? Willis Allen Ramsey. What's the connection, Doug? He produced B.W. Stevenson's final album. Is that right? Not all of it, I think. Just big chunks of it. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, Willie Nelson is a connection because he was on that album. Well, Willie Nelson's also a connection because of a very interesting story. I don't think I know this one. Oh, yeah, you do. Okay, I don't think I know I know this one. You know this one. <laughs> so uh, when we talked about Redheaded Stranger, one of the things we emphasized was his uh, Willie Nelson's historic connection to the show Austin City Limits. Oh, yeah. He's on the pilot. Did okay, He's the first that. artist on the pilot of Austin City Limits. What's amazing that I think I never knew this. I don't know if Doug and Jam knew this before we started doing I this album. I didn't know, right. I didn't know until we did the research. Yeah. B.W. Stevenson was actually slated to be the first artist on the on the uh, pilot. And I've heard two different stories about why they didn't use him. One was that it was the recording was awful. That's what I heard, yeah. But I, the other thing I heard in a book that was written around the time where someone interviews B.W. Stevenson was that they didn't do the proper like get the word out and the crowd was very sparse. And so Hmm. they, the following night when they recorded Willie, they got the word out and the crowd was much bigger and much more rowdy. And so that's why they did it. But regardless, that was never aired and good luck finding it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We couldn't find, uh, I, I think of all the people we've done, the research on this was the most difficult. There was yeah, less yeah. available on this than. Any. I mean, there's no, there's a Wikipedia entry on B.W. Stevenson, but nothing on his albums. Um, well, I've got a connection. All right, I guess I just gave a connection. Doug, you give a connection, then I'll. How about okay. Stevie Ray? Oh, I don't know this one. I don't know this one either. They are both buried in the same grave. Oh, I d- that is right. I forgot about that. Oh, I didn't know that. that sounds like a road trip. Yeah, it does. Um. How about this? Harry Nilsson. Same vocal range? No. I, they may have the same vocal yeah. range. I don't know. Don't know. You got me. They both had a song that was a bigger hit by Three Dog Night. Oh, I thought of that today. I so, really? So, yeah, yeah. So What's the song? Harry, Harry Nilsson was one. Yeah. You know, and then for, uh, for B.W. Stevenson, it was Shambhala. Shambhala ah. But I which, don't think he wrote that. He didn't write it, but he had a hit yeah, with he, it. He did it first, and then and then it got he got a bigger. They had a bigger hit on it. This so. is an interesting story about this song, Jam. Hmm? How does your light shine? It's no, it's not hard to imagine. Somebody said uh, Three Dog Night needs to cover this. Yeah, I always thought that. My Maria was based on this song, and then 
they said it so, sounds enough like it that B.W. Stevenson said, well, okay, I'm going to just go ahead and record same, it on another Same song. guy wrote both. Yeah, same guy got wrote both, well, and I thought B. that... B.W. got part credit for my memory, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. but... But um, was 100% the other guy. Danny Moore yeah. was the guy's name. Yeah. And then he put it out. And then what, like a week later, Three Dog Night put it out? Yeah. Is what so, is, no, it's, it's exactly it. His version yeah. hit number 60, peaked at number 66 on the US Hot 100 and number yeah. 31 in the US Adult Contemporary Chart. A week later, Three Dog Night's version was released and that peaked at number five. Yeah. And, and actually, he got a little bit of sympathy for that, like in, a, in the press. The people saw that as kind of a dirty thing that happened, mm-hmm. but but it didn't stop Three Dog Night from having a massive hit. <laughs> and yeah. probably Danny didn't mind. Probably no, not. Daniel, okay. excuse me. Yeah. He was fine with that. Do you have any other connections, Doug? You said you had four. I might have lied, or someone might have used one. <clears throat> probably Mickey Raphael. Mickey Raphael dominates this album in a way he doesn't any other album. You're right, and his, and his harmonica isn't, it's not as um, instantly. Oh, that's yeah, who it is. Exactly. It's not like that at all. I, I didn't even I know like it was he had him. More leeway than he usually has. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not playing that chromatic thing that he plays right. a lot. Because I, I, I think I told you when we were talking about the Towns Van Zandt album, I kept saying this sounds so much like something, and I realized it sounded like a Willie Nelson album <laughs> because of the harmonica on it. Yeah. So he plays. Mickey Raphael usually plays a chromatic harmonica which is 12 notes as a and usually with you have a, a regular harmonica is eight notes that you can possibly play and um it, there's not a it's kind of like the uh playing an accordion versus playing a squeeze box it's it's just a little bit there's a little bit of difference there's, a, there's definitely an art to playing the chromatic harmonica that's different from playing the eight eight well, note harmonica. i think he's sadder on this album than any other yeah that, i think that's one of his <laughs> well, best pieces of work it uh it lends itself to being sad because yeah. the songs are sad <laughs> the songs are about my fi- my finance leaving me we're gonna talk about some songs that make jay and boohoo tonight oh, ladies God, and gentlemen be a lot of and i gotta tell one. you one of the times i saw bw stevenson very low poorly attended event where uh people were it was like a flea market or something it was really upsetting for me to see one of my favorites up there playing for such a small crowd he goes into one of the songs on this album and he goes everybody asked me why 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 write such a sad song well this isn't a sad song this this is about moving on and that's not a and he makes this and this old man goes it's a sad song <laughs> <laughs> it is. When we get there, anybody that thinks it's not sad, yeah. please write us and tell yeah. us what's wrong with you. <laughs> so, um, before we get to the album, Jam, is there anyone on this album, music, musician-wise, that's worth talking about? I cannot. I there. It's really not. Other than Mickey Raphael, there is really nobody on this that I have knew anything about. It, it's a pretty sparse where, album where was this recorded was it recorded in la chicago, chicago. chicago. oh that's right it was yeah. chicago yeah so i wonder if these were chicago it might have been people. yeah it's like, such a weird uh, place for weird. it to, <laughs> i have no i guess rca has something i keep up thinking it. it'd be you know like out someplace outside of dripping springs that overlooking <laughs> sunsets in the hill country that's that's what it reminds you of i thought yeah. for sure it'd be somewhere around dallas or uh, yeah. Um, yeah la well he, i don't think he ever got we talked you talked about this doug his last album that um will Will Salton Ramsey produced. That's when he, B.W. Stevenson, actually kind of had to say over what it was going to sound like. He finally got control. He got control over it, and nobody was interested in it. 
Um, yeah. You know, that weird thing about that album, it's out of print and you can't find it anywhere. Oh, no. And I would love to hear it. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, if you have a copy of that album, please make a recording yeah. of it. And uh, so, Yeah. So the, the last thing I want to say about B.W. Stevenson before we go into the, the album, and this is a, pr- a really good example of it. We were talking about what uh, outlaw country and all that. There's, there's always kind of a, a little bit of a swagger with, with a lot of outlaw country. You know, there's always just, you think of Waylon, there's a little bit of swagger. Even Willie, there's some, you know, hey, we're having a good time. And there's always that, you know, even like Willis Allen Ramsey, there's just kind of, sometimes there's some tongue and cheeks stuff. There's, there's nothing. There's not swagger, there's at least some <coughs> rocking back and forth yeah, trying yeah. to get your balance. And there's only one song where he comes close to doing something like that, I think. And But the rest of this is just heartbreak and getting out and you're leaving not because you you're you're wanting to you're leaving because that's like the only chance choice you got you know you're not you're not there's no pride in leaving what you just described what separates him from the rest of the uh, that i would say the lack of swagger the lack of the party thing and the uh and the voice. Yeah. None of the other guys sound like they could do opera. Right. Well, let me ask you guys something, though. I think there's something else that, you know, maybe we, we just kind of underlines his career in this album as well that separates him from the rest of them. When you think about that movement, if you're going to call it a movement, yeah. that, those group of people, what's I, I, even if they're disparate sounding, which they're not to a certain extent, what is the, the center post of that movement? What defines outlaw country? I do think it, it, there's a getting out, sticking it to the man kind of like there is. And who's it's, the it's, man? The man Nashville. is usually Nashville. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. just the music, like the doing it your way. Yeah, and that is not what's happening <laughs> not here. here. No. And the only reason I bring that up is because I think it's vitally important to the kind of story we're trying to tell tonight is that. There are moments in this album that are truly breathtaking and remarkable. Oh, yeah. But at yeah. the same time, there's moments where you're like... It, it, Leave the, them alone. The, yeah. the opportunity is... is it, it, it's mind-boggling. <laughs> it's like Chet Atkins is kind of peeking behind the curtain going, hey, what could I do here? I don't know if Chet Atkins would even done would have done some of the stuff <laughs> yeah. that this, whoever you, this yeah. producer You is. wish that Waylon was there with his pistols. So. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, yeah. But what JM said is is awfully true, too. This is not the same spirit as some of these other records. There's no Northeast Texas woman. Yeah. Or uh, pick up the tempo. Yeah. None of those kinds of None of, of that. Or well, yeah. And I mean, diamond rings for every toe. You know, nothing. <laughs> and we've talked about this with other other times when we're talking about, you know, genres or whatever. There's a, there's a, none of the people we mentioned could could really do justice to some of the songs on the song. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were talking about that earlier, just the, the guitar playing. Yeah, these guitar songs, the, the the guitar playing is infectious, and it is fun. If you're a guitar player, it's... When you start getting to that second tier, I think, of guitar playing, this is where you start going, hey, I can start doing this. Sort of, you know, After you learn Stairway to Heaven, you start learning B.W. Stevenson. But... It's infectious, but then you try th- these songs are pretty sophisticated. His voice is just you just can't do it. Nobody, there's very few people who could do justice to these songs. I think other than B.W. Well, speaking of the songs, let's get into them, shall we? Well, that's the host job. I'm yeah, oh, both of us yeah, just guess, hosted. Uh, that's okay. Speaking of the songs, 
why don't we get into them? So the first song on side one is called Save a Little Time for Love. Well, love can bring us fortune, it can bring us strife. You might be the one lash out at the friends you find in life. They take hold of senses, the devil takes his toll. Just look on up to Jesus and he can let you know. I'm always mesmerized. I, I love the lyrics on this. I love the guitar playing. Um, I'm always surprised at how this is bass, drums, and acoustic guitar and his voice. And I can't, I, I mean, I guess they overdub some of the guitar parts, but it, it always sounds fuller to me than that. It's a nice way to open an album, kind of a good introduction to where he's where he's headed. He's got a little Christian bent to it as well. Well, this is one of the few where the strings don't, Come in and yeah. rain on his parade. Yeah, I find uh, I find this song interesting. I also find it slightly cheesy, and I hate that about it because I, his voice is remarkable. I was just listening to it again, looking at that picture of him on the album, going, "How is this guy singing this?" Because it's 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 a remarkable voice. I I don't know. It just there's something about it that seems. You say cheesy. I I think that there there is. There Maybe is something saccharine to it. Saccharine but, is a better Yeah, word for but it. I think that I don't know of anything that was really going on like this at that time. This is well, 1972. Th- this, this is, uh, at this time, you had people singing about religion, like a hippie yeah, Jesus thing. Yeah, it's, it's going. the Godspell time, you know. And, and you had like, Chris Christopherson, <laughs> Why Me, Lord, and that kind of. There was a hippie Jesus deal going on at the time. Mm-hmm. I think this song has a lot of things that people make fun of and i think that he is a uh, pretty earnest guy mm-hmm. and he i mean he's putting it out there this is not an outlaw country deal no <laughs> if you know if you bob uh, billy joe schaefer sings about that topic but he does it after uh fighting someone and getting <laughs> drunk so i i think it's just yeah we're conditioned I, to not, make fun of these sort of things i'm not talking yeah. about the subject matter when i say that just the, the way that the it's song, presented? The song, the way it's presented, just seems a little... Um, I'm going to use a word my daughter uses, and it seems a little bit appropriate, a little twee. It just There's just something about it, especially fought with the song that follows this. It, it, it just seems it's an odd way. To me, it's an odd way to open the song. It's not a bad song. I don't want to say this is a bad song because it's not. And I, I really, when I, meant, when I said cheesy is a wrong term, yeah. but it's not the subject matter. Well, I'm also going to say that it's it's hard for me not to have nostalgia for this album, so I am going to. Yeah, I need uh, to recuse myself. Also, yeah. So I, that, that's a that's one point I want to make. I'm new to this, so yeah. I, the whole time I'm listening to this album, I was thinking, I wonder what Doug and Jam would think about this if they didn't have the history I know they have with this album. Yeah. If they would come at it a bit differently, because it's tough to distance yourself from that mm-hmm. that type of that it when it's ingrained in your dna it's yeah, hard to distance yeah. yourself well from it. it reminds me a little bit of the moody blues when we talked about them and i got to a place where well i'm in the town's hands <laughs> and yeah. uh this is well, i mean this is fun oh, this is but, cute yeah this is nice little, but i'm, yeah, I'm way, way out of that yeah now. i mean i think there was a time i think even when i when i got to be like 18 or 19 and i said i gotta listen to serious music where i may have kind of like dissed this a little bit but and there's there's something that's so unfair yeah 
at I call it the Bob Dylan phenomena. If your voice is rough, then what you say is more profound yeah. than if your voice is beautiful. That's, yeah, that's, that's a very valid point. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it's and, it's not just that. It's uh, Clapton's a great songwriter. Hendrix is a great uh, singer. Yeah, all of these things. They say, well, if he's so good at that, you have to. Yeah, so, could you imagine like him singing "Landslide"? You know, like, it, but the way that Stevie Nicks sings it, it's just so. Yeah, it's a valid point, Doug. And maybe that's the thing. It's this weird sort of the the what makes him special to me is something that I just don't quite get on this song. Well, yeah, you look through you look through stacks of records. There's a when you go to Half Price or one of these places mm-hmm. and you're looking through records, you got rock and roll, you got country, and then you have male vocalist. Yeah, and male vocalist contains stuff. Like Neil Diamond mm-hmm. and uh, all these guys, whether or not they're good songwriters, it doesn't matter. They're stuck in the male <laughs> vocalist right. deal because they have exceptional voices. Yeah, and we automatically, or people like me that grew up with rock and roll, that's that was my parents' music. Right, it's got to suck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think there's a no little power, of that going yeah. on here with with him. But yeah. but. but uh, yeah, I guess you're probably right about that. And I and I struggled with that listening to this because I didn't want to come across as just dismissing the guy. Um, because I, as we talked about, the, the unfairness of what the label did in the production of his songs. And the one thing we didn't talk about is his career moved on. They, they took more and more of his songs off the albums and put other songwriters on, right. which is a crime as well. It yeah, is. it is. But when you hear some of the songs, like like I said, when you get like the next song, when you hear that and you hear exactly what they could have done with this guy, yeah, it's kind of mind blowing that they didn't do that. Yeah. So, are we ready to move to the yeah, next? Yeah, let's move to the next that one. Was, what they call that a segue? A segue. A segue. All right, this is <laughs> what happened. To that segue it was supposed to change the world. Everybody's going to ride around. I think on once the, the president flipped over it, it sort of lost its lost charm. Its now it's just people riding around downtown Austin doing tours on them. Yeah. All right, this song is called "Lonesome Song" and good title. <laughs> it's lonesome. <laughs> Sitting on a real train's windowsill Wind comes cutting across the field To the bone it gives a chill Man, this is about as close. He nailed it. I mean, this the, the you know exactly what he's singing about. You know exactly. I mean, everything about it is just straight up his voice on it is is vulnerable and the lyrics are amazing and the just the, the way this whole song comes together it's just it's one of the most flawless songs it's a remarkable song yeah. and i just think if this had been like your first like if this had been my first if i hadn't heard again resting yeah, a whole lot but you. if i had gone into the album with this being the first song it would have blown my i would have been a whole where had this guy been my whole life you know yeah yeah this song is the only song I know of that makes me cold. Yeah. It, it yeah. literally when I hear it, and as long as I can remember, I have felt cold yeah. just from hearing it. I, I got a thought experiment from for you guys. If we could someday we'll have some kind of technology that would allow this. But imagine Towns Van Zant singing this song. My God, I was thinking the exact same thing. It, it would Everybody would go, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's one of his best. Just, yeah. This is 
his his lonesome voice and yeah. Um, but I don't think it would be better. It would not. It would better. just. It'd be it's different. just the reaction people would have to it. Would it would leave different. me like the catfish song does. You know, it, yeah. it, it's just it. it but yeah. But just, I just want to. I, I do this sometimes when it, when something strikes me. I just want to read this couplet because it's really amazing. Yeah. Long for the fire of home, family, friends, joy, and laughter where love begins. The road that you're on was all on your feet. No use to stop. Your thoughts cannot sleep. That I get goosebumps just reading that. This, that I mean, it, when you said you feel cold, like I said, it's called the lonesome song, and it's perfect because yeah. the the emotion <laughs> it evokes when you hear this and you listen to the lyrics. It, it's I don't know what to say. It's a remarkable, remarkable tune. I, I can't imagine. I, I, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, I'll confess. When when I was really young, I guess I'm talking about 15 or something. That song, I thought, eh, I want the next one. Yeah. Um, but now this one brings me up short. And I just <laughs> stop in my tracks, and yeah. I can't imagine being someone who produces records <laughs> and not the point made. How does a person, how does a label hear this song and go, that's uh, yeah, okay. I mean, we're talking about 1972. It's not yeah. like there wasn't other stuff out there like this. Yeah. This yeah. song, I think, would have been a monster. I, I think this this song would have changed this guy's trajectory if it had been picked as a yeah. single. What, where are all these friends of his not trying to steal it? Uh, yeah. That's a good point, that's too. Good point and, too. And has anybody yeah. covered this song and recorded it? If I were, um, I don't know. Emmy Lou Harris should oh, be all Lord. over. Can you imagine that? <laughs> anyway, Lonesome Song's a great song. Anyone that does not like this song is a horrible person. Horrible person. Yeah. That's right. it's a, and uh, maybe dropped on their head as a child or something. Or yeah. born near a, a power plant. <laughs> Nuclear plant. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody got dropped in a reactor. All right. Moving on to song number three. We don't have to move real far. Wasted <laughs> too much time. My favorite song on the album. I love the song. I always had. It's it's one of those that we were talking about earlier. It's got that infectious uh, little guitar part in it that you you know that just about anybody can play. That's mastered Stairway to Heaven. But um, this song, you need to wake up at least an hour before the sun comes up. Yep. Get in your truck <clears throat> and start driving. And once you've settled in. Hit play yep. and listen to this song. So that's then, so yeah. That that's really cool that you say that because this is when I this is the album that I listen to when I am by myself. I you know for the listeners out there they know I go to Colorado a lot and I drive up there a lot. And uh, yeah, this is the this is the album I put on and I usually leave it about six o'clock in the morning. And this right as daybreak is happening, this song almost always comes on, and it's just you know it's got this those, is a it, song about leaving. Yeah, yeah. So, what's odd about this is it seems like whoever was in charge of the strings and the vocal chorus and all that left the room and put somebody else in charge of it because they don't they They'd work on this work song on in it. a way that they don't on other songs. Well, we have horns, too. yeah, yeah. those, those nice French horns. Coming no, it's, again. It's, I, I would have yeah. toned it down a little, maybe little just bit, maybe one yeah. French horn, horn. But when yeah. that French horn comes in, it it's yeah, or those. But, 
but yeah, it works. It does. But would, putting putting background vocals or harmony with him and and making his voice shine as the as the main vocal is great, and it works really well on this, and it adds yeah. depth to the song. Whereas there's other songs where they drown him out, and yeah. I don't get that. And there's almost it, it gives you he's there's a little bit of hope there, right? When he's when he's leaving, and I think when those horns come in, it does give that kind of sense that of sunrise, day break. Yeah, yeah. the horns yeah. sound like sunrise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I heard someone say that deaf people are surprised to learn that the sun doesn't make a noise. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know if that's universal. I just they, huh. they just shared that with me. And I think if if a if a if the sunrise <laughs> had a sound, this, yeah, it would have to be that. Yeah, and interesting. Um, I love that it builds up because it allows everything to drop out again mm-hmm. when he starts talking about the smell of the country after sweet summer's rain. Mm-hmm. It's back to just him, and I, I don't know how you listen to the song without imagining a, a car ride. And, yeah, and it's not a sad leaving song. We've no. got one of those. This is a. Hey, look! I'm just trying to put my head together. This yeah. is what this what is what has to be done. It sounds like a very mature person who's got himself spiritually yeah. together. And for so much of my life, I wasn't that person, and I got to pretend I was with this song. <laughs> well, another, um, like I said, he's trying to to put his head together, but it, it's not. Again, it's not coming from pride. It's not one of these. Uh, I got to. There's if I no just, pride on this album. No. If I if I right. if I just leave for a little while, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not leaving you behind. I'm just trying to. Follow I don't even know if I'm trying to be a better person. I'm just trying to a figure dream. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love this song for yeah, a very long it. time, and it's one of the few that I will just decide out of thin air that I need to hear. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's a good no, one. No yeah. substitute for it. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. All right, moving on to song number four. This is the first non-B.W. Stevenson pen song, Long Way to Go. I burned my eyes on the summertime skies just to travel in a country mile. I drowned in pain in the winter rain and the sweetness of a smile. And possessed and maybe even blessed by the dreams that I came to find. Don't you see there's a light? Yeah, one of the few songs that has an electric guitar on it on this album. And there is some question about loyalty to uh, a particular girl on this song. <laughs> we have Sweet Mary. We have Sweet Lucy. We have Sweet Jenny. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's going on, but it's not one he wrote. This is uh, yeah. Mary Man and Cynthia while wheel so well it's interesting a woman is singing or writing a song well, with and, all these women and I, I i told you before we started that they wrote a version of this song or at least the song of the same title that was done by a band called the stained glass in 1967 that's got that kind of psychedelic 67 you know garage rock yeah, sound to yeah. it. it sounds nothing like this the song though has been recorded by a lot of people Including Dionne Warwick did a cover of it. I could see that. Yeah, it's it mostly soul, like R and B and soul people doing it. But um, it's I guess she has guys' names. <laughs> it doesn't work uh, with the well, no, talking about all her. Would guys. you like to hear it? I would. I'm dying to.
Yeah. So she opted not for guys' names. <laughs> <laughs> well, that works. It works, but not as good as I like this version. I so. love, I love that stripped down guitar and voice yep. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And again, they put too much in in here for my taste. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. This is not one of my favorite songs. No. I, what what I will say about it though is we get a little different flavor of his voice on this song, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, so he's got more, a lower register. Yeah, it's and, not that high, that sort of high, sweet, yeah, lonesome it, sound. It kind of shows that he could do some. It is a little bit soulful, you know. Yeah. The, no, the song's little, definitely soulful. Yeah. yeah, but you get an idea of the power. Yeah. Um, yeah. So far, we haven't had too much. Uh, uh, yeah, not much of an indication. Right, 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 right. right. A whole lot of falsetto, uh, high throat singing. Okay, so moving on to the last song on side one, Highway One. And Mickey comes through. Yeah, Mickey comes through. I'm not going to say this is my least favorite song in the album. I, I, I don't really know if I have a least favorite song in this album, but there is just something about the way this song was performed that I that just leaves me a little cold. I don't like the strings. I don't like it, the... Yeah, It's uh, not his performance. It's the production. It's you the put production, the strings on yeah. it. And then this is the song that I was talking about. You get to the chorus where he's about to belt stuff out, and they drown him out with all this... Background yeah. singing—it's a dumb, dumb, dumb decision. Yeah, I—I yeah. I would love to find out what anybody was thinking. Yeah, his voice should have been the highlight of this whole album. Yeah, you, you know what? I was just—this made me think of—they should take this album and they should do what they did to let it be. Yeah, and they exactly. should release yeah. B.W. Stevenson <laughs> naked yeah. and strip all this production nonsense yeah. off of it and see what that would sound like. I almost think you could put electric guitars on this, not heavily distorted or anything, but it just there there would have been some kind of stuff that I could see. Well, this song asks like for Mark, bump Mick Ronson. It. Like I could put Mick Ronson on this song. <laughs> if you do that, he's going to bring strings in. <laughs> yeah, we're going to well, bring good strings. But he would do them in, he'd do in it a, right. He'd do it in the right I, way. I'll tell you what I would like. I'd like to see this song sped up, and yeah. I would like to hear it stripped down. Yeah. And let me hear that big voice talking about how funny it is that she takes his blues away over and yeah. over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like a crime. It's almost like what happened it, to so, uh, Let It Be. Yeah, it's almost like yeah. that. So, yeah. um, I mean, you know. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. None anyway. of us are going to argue about that. I guess we yeah. better flip this baby over. Flip her over. And we've got, we've got a long player and RCA. <laughs> I think that's funny. Yep. And we, speaking of long player, the first song on the second side, Two Track Road, is it? Boy, it's, a, it's, a, it's an epic. <laughs> it's an epic. It's his Her Majesty. Sweet seven lively down a two-track road Mama, I'm almost home Miles going on to me by myself Tonight I won't be alone I'm gonna sleep with you till the early morning Gonna walk with you in the sunlight of the dawning Sweet stepping lightly on a two-track road 
that's it. 37 <laughs> seconds of greatness, in my opinion. You know, the only thing about this, uh, first of all, B.W. Stevenson's guitar playing is amazing. His vocal the, is the amazing. The bass is uh, fun to listen to. The, the fun, you know, I wish that the bass were actually upright. I wish it weren't that mm-hmm. 70s sounding um, high uh, pick bass where he's got the pick right over the uh, pickup. You know. Yep. It's a little little short little country blues song. My only I'll be honest with you, my only gripe about it is that it's only thirty seven seconds. Yeah. It would have been nice if it'd been a little bit longer. I'm wondering if it was longer and they just say, Oh, we gotta figure out some way to we start screwing up. It seems a bit like a lark. He he doesn't seem as relaxed singing any other song as he does on that one. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But nice little uh way to start the second side, I would say. A little unusual way to start a second side. Um, yeah, and then we move on to the next song. Say what I feel. Number two, side two. When my feelings gonna hit you right smack in the belly, you ride so fast you forget about the spelling. When it's all in the telling, you forget about the technical side. And here's a punchline. Should I say what I feel? <laughs> Go right I don't ahead. think anyone's going to stop you, Tony. I, I dislike the song. I really do. I'm sorry to say it. I, I And this was the song the record company chose to, to showcase this guy. I have no trouble believing the record company is responsible for this. Yeah. this is It's a little song written in a Nashville hotel. It sounds a hundred percent like Nashville. It's it's hard. It's not hard for me to hear this song and think the guy who wrote this would write Wildfire. At <laughs> yeah, and it's, I, it's, I it's think written Wildfire, by Michael Martin Murphy. Wildfire is a well written song. Yeah, it's it's the production on Wildfire. This is a constructed song. This is the this is a song written by a brain. Yeah, you can see the calculations why he's right. right what his rhymes are, like cog in the wheel. Um, <coughs> you can. You can you can watch him building the puzzle. Yeah, this is not uh, a uh, it's not a, an inspired uh, organic, song. Yeah, so it's yeah. not it's not coming from. Yeah, he's not he's not a vessel for this. So, Doug, <laughs> you were involved in the music industry to a certain very extent. little. So maybe maybe I, I you can help, help. Maybe yep. you can help explain to me, or JM can help explain to me how a guy hears this guy playing these songs, likely just acoustic guitar and himself playing his songs, his lonesome songs says, man, this guy, I want to sign this guy. We sign him. We get him into a studio in Chicago, of all places. We re- we have him record his songs, and we say, you know what? We're not really going to push his music. Let's push this other guy who's had some success in writing songs, but writes a song that's so not what we re- signed this guy for, and we'll push it as single. How does... what? I mean, you said you, you have no trouble believing a record company was behind this. But they're but- looking for a single. Yeah, if you're if you're a record company, I don't think you've heard a single yet, not not the kind that you're used to having. This, this is RCA in 1972 as well. Who who is on the label? Elvis, Elvis, uh, Waylon, all these. There, there was a lot of country schmaltz that was. Well, kinda, we've got this. This is going to be an anthem. The kids yeah. are going to grab onto this. This is what they're going. They wish want. This is a song about freedom. It, yeah. it just says what these kids are into. <laughs> well, it was, and we got this burly guy with okay a beard. You say you say kids. If that's the case, it really was a misfire because it 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 only hit 114 uh, 
on the top 100, if that tells you anything. So it was just outside of that. But it hit number 38 on the adult contemporary chart. So uh, It's not hard to believe <laughs> not that hard whatsoever. Um, it, it's, it's, um, it, it is so much not a part of this record. It oh, is, absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. is so much trying to reach for an audience instead of reaching for meaning. And uh, so I wonder, you know, we've talked before about labels that give their artists a little bit of freedom. I wonder if the if if he had been signed to some place like Warner Brothers, Warner or Brothers, yeah. mm-hmm. or or uh, what was Geffen's? Asylum, Asylum, Electra, yeah, yeah. If what what they would have done with this, um, you know, they would have given yep. him some room to breathe. I think. And yeah, I mean, been, and there's just I mean, because you had those guys, you had Jackson Brown, you had uh, you know. He, one of y'all's favorites, um, Randy Newman. I, it seemed like those guys. I like Randy Newman. Yeah, it seems like those guys were taking a little bit more of the reins on their on their albums, and it does seem like B.W. Stevenson was getting a little bit, you know. Well, one thing we style. don't know is this is his friend who has been very successful, right? And yeah. we don't know how that affects. Um, well, yeah. your older friend who's a big success, you don't know how that might yeah. uh, tempt you good point well uh, it is a good point and considering the next song was co-written by michael martin murphy but it seems to fit more in the wheelhouse of this album than than it it sounds like say a what song i feel that, um, yeah almost sounds like a song bw yeah but, uh, well speaking i always of, thought it was seg you another seg you let's yeah. move into this uh third song on side two texas morning well she left me cold on a winter's morning Much better. Much, much better. It's it they tried they tried to screw this song up, <laughs> but they still couldn't do it. It was I, yeah. I really I don't know about that because I think I think the, the production works on this song really well. I think it's a little heavy. I think it could have been uh, the the uh, ending of this song is a masterpiece. It is an absolute masterpiece. That is fades so true. out, yeah. and I tell you what, we've got here is this is we've talked about this before. This is observational songwriting. Yep. Uh, obviously, you got a guy sitting there watching this happen. Yeah. Where some bum is coming to Texas looking for the girl he's lost, and he's watching the yeah. the waitress and the cook talk about it. He's looking at a. I love the I love the first part. Right in the middle of a ten cent scenery, shuffled and stacked on a postcard rack, there's a cute little kid on a Shetland pony. Smiles at me, but I can't smile back. That's good songwriting. That's great so, songwriting. And, that's and that's observation. That's that's somebody it's not contrived. That yeah, it's not contrived. It's not. It's everything that last song wasn't. It's yeah. Boomer Castleman, I think, the guy who co-wrote it, this one. It could be. So, uh, you know who had who re- who recorded this before BWC? I don't. No. Um, well, Deanna Warwick. <laughs> <laughs> no, Michael Nesmith. Oh wow! Do you uh, have that? I do. Michael Nesmith and the First National Band on their Nevada Fighter LP. I do really? have. It if you want to hear it? Yeah. That's cool. That's fantastic. Shall we play it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's... That's. I'm glad I came tonight. Dude, let's. Shetland pony, she smiles at me, but I can't smile back. 
Five o'clock in the Texas morning And I've come a long, long way Five o'clock in the Texas morning I've come a long, long way Well, I think that's BW, good. Yeah, it is good, but I like BW. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, if you listen to that one, you listen to Michael Martin Murphy's uh, if B.W. walked in the room, I would stop singing this. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. mean, I, I think you're right about that. Um, I Again, I you know, it's it's funny. It the, the orchestration doesn't bother me, but it's definitely unnecessary on yeah. this song. Yeah. I, I don't like the orchestra. I think that's well, one of the things I that mean, they got try that to screw voice. up. I did just, yeah, I just, just let it the go. Voice. But, yeah. but, but they, you know, again, I think um, as great as his voice is, the way they use the the background vocals on the chorus on this really add depth to this particular. I'm going to agree with you and there. You yeah. can hear that gr- that lady's uh, voice coming through, and yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. too. And the orchestration works at the end. I think the, so too. Oh, it does work at the end when the paper cups. Yeah, but down this the song he could do it by himself, and I think oh, he, he could do still. anything by himself. Yeah. And this song could have been mm-hmm. another single you could have released. Oh God, I, why it just, wasn't? I don't know. I again, it's 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 a bit mind numbing. I know we sound like a broken record, particularly me. Yeah, I apologize to the listeners for that. That's but, kind of our deal. I know. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a great song. Fantastic it is. It song. Is. Moving, Speaking of great songs. Moving on to the next song, Home Again, written by the great Carol King. Carol King. Up in Tin Pan Alley. Sometimes I wonder if I'm ever gonna make it home again. It's so far and outside. I really need someone to talk to and nobody else knows how to comfort me tonight Snow is cold and rain is wet That's a good, that's a good song. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> His voice is perfect. It's perfect. For and this is another thing that I... More songs by Carol King need to be done this way. You know, there, there are so many times that they just try to oversaturate. It, yeah, it, it, that's right. And I was listening to it, and I was hearing James Taylor. No, yeah, there's I, a, I was hearing Linda Ronstadt. There's a lot of yeah. James Taylor in this album, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing to me how you cannot separate a Carol King song from Carol King. No, yeah. you can't. I, yeah. It's so Carol it, King. Yeah. Well what's interesting about her version, which is on Tapestry, it's yeah. um, you know, you know, it's a piano driven song. And yeah. on this it's obviously not as guitar driven, but it works really it's just what oh, it's a guitar, it's kind of modest drum yeah. beat. And then the female harmony again, which is yeah. really good on this yeah, song I, as well. Whoever picked her out for this did a good yeah, job. I'd, yeah. I'd like to know the story on that. And yeah. this this particular song really, I think, fits in with what he's writing songs about as well. Right. Nope. It fits very I mean, well. You, it, yeah. I, did you say? No, it was the last song you said you were surprised it wasn't his. I would have been surprised had I not known this song that it wasn't his as well. Well, he, he makes it, he does a great job. I think I've heard, I'd heard Tapestry, I think, before I heard this, or or at least it didn't register that this was a B, that B.W. Stevenson did this song. Well, however it got on here, it was a good choice. It, it was. was. It was a really good and choice. They, they successfully pulled it off. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the guitar playing is it's just great. fantastic on it. My God, mm-hmm. he could play guitar. Okay, closing out the album. What a way to close it out. On my own. If I don't see you 
before I go Remember what you've seen and what you know Sunshine you will be on my mind eternally But you remember you and I I don't know if I can go on. <laughs> this is my favorite song on the album. This is my favorite B.W. Stevenson song. It, it, when I think of B.W., this is the first thing that pops. It's not My Maria. Yeah. This is the first song that pops into my head. When the, I think. This guy is 23 years old when he's singing this song. Who knows how old he was when he wrote it. God. It it sounds so much older than a 23-year-old guy it singing it. Yep. And yeah, it's 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 a it's a hard song to listen to because it's so gut wrenchingly emotional, and uh, it's so well. This is the best produced song I think on the album too. It's just so it, sparse, and it's, it's that's, that's how it needs to be. That that finger picking. Oh, yeah. it's it's. I've yeah. I've tried for years to to yeah. learn how to play this yeah. and. Uh, I can do the left hand, but the right hand is, yeah. is I can't get it. I've gonna, seen guys try to do it, and it's just never I'm done. I'm going to steal Doug's thunder, use a term he uses a lot when he talks about songs. This song is absolutely irresistible. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's a, it's a tough one. It'll make you... Boohoo. It'll make you boohoo. I mean, I think this I is have the most, boohoo to this. I, I think this is the most make you boohoo song that we've ever covered. <laughs> it, um, it's close. This in uh, Orphan Girl. Yeah. It... Uh, the the longing in his voice and the song is chilling. It's, yeah, it's and it's I, just I can't I can't imagine anyone else co- doing no this. no. I there's not either. there's yeah. not anybody and else that could sing. You this would song. wonder why hasn't someone covered this? And I think listening to him explains that you he's gonna have to be completely forgotten before I mean, anyone will do that. This song either should have been the first song in the album or the last song in the album. I think you, I mean... Well, you got the latter part. Yeah, so. I, but it, it's, it, it almost, I, for the longest time, I don't know why, I thought this was the first song in the album. I don't... I don't well, I, this this song got a lot of airplay Yeah, uh, more than any other song on the album. I, I think uh, even more than the, the single... I never heard any other song on this album. Well, you're, right you're talking about Austin. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Not Nashville. Um, no, just nationally. But uh, I this song, if you would sandwich this album with a lonesome song starting it off and this song yeah. ending it, you couldn't listen to it in the car. You drive off the road, right? You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I've got a funny story for this. As we've mentioned before, JM and I went to the same camp growing up. At some point, I had access to the PA system, which put me in charge of all the music. <laughs> when a lot of kids were forced to listen to Bob Wills twenty four hours a day. On the last day, when all these kids, this is the 80s, where when you said goodbye to someone, yeah. and they're going to Houston, and the other person going to San Antonio, it's 20 bucks to talk for uh, yeah. 10 minutes right. or something yeah. with the interstate tax on long-distance calls. Yeah. There's no Facebook, so you, you, you know you're going to write letters to each other, but you are saying goodbye for a year, because yep. you're a kid, you can't drive to meet them, and uh, so... I would put this song on just to be mean. (laughs) 
and play Jesus. it over and over again and yeah. and add commentary. Yes. Yeah. Hug now because you won't see them Jeez. for a whole year. And usually, yeah, it would just be pre- $2 a minute for yeah. a phone call. <laughs> You're crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh... <laughs> Sometimes it would be worse when it would be kind of drizzling or something. At the end of the, oh, it, but yeah. but it just goes to show you when you were talking about Jam, you said this is the best produced song on the album. How much more poignant and powerful these songs are when they're given this kind of treatment, when they let his voice shine, mm-hmm. when they let mm-hmm. his guitar. I mean, it's almost you hear the beginning of the song and the guitar picking, and that's yeah. almost as mesmerizing as his voice it is. is. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think a whole a big great guitar part. His, his guitar and voice together are just perfect i mean he does both so i mean they mesh so i mean james taylor and his guitar playing are pretty close and i i'd I'd put him in the same you know his he just play his voice plays off his guitar playing yeah which you know and he's not a show off by any stretch of the imagination i I think somebody earlier said there's no would you say there's no ego in this or no some doesn't doesn't swagger i mentioned earlier that time i saw him and and he said it's not a sad song (laughs) it's about moving on this is the song that 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 he was playing oh really lord have mercy when that old man goes it's a sad song (laughs) what was he thinking i don't i think he's just he's probably heard that's the saddest song i've ever heard could he probably sing it when you saw him oh yeah i never saw him where his voice wasn't working yeah yeah um with it, we saw him. Uh, it was less That's than like, a month before yeah, his right death. Yeah, right before he died. Jam yeah. and I saw him at the Cactus Cafe. He was thin too. Remember, he lost thin. a lot. He had this. I this must have been close to when he got his surgery that mm-hmm. killed him. Yeah, he was talking. Right no, he he had surgery before, and he was about to go in again. He was even yeah. talking about so it. So he had valve surgery. Uh, some people say that he got step infection while he was in the hospital, but he went under. Uh, for the surgery and never came back right. up. Yeah. Died of complications from 38 that. years old. Yeah, jeez. We were 22 when we saw him. Yeah. I thought I was much older than that when I saw him for the no. last time. Yeah. But his his voice never, never. dropped off. I mean, um, he was mesmerizing. There was something wrong with him that night, obviously, but his voice was not... Yeah, he was. Well, it was a of course. He's only thirty eight years old. Right. I yeah, mean. this uh, well, Harry Nilsson at thirty eight. <laughs> they, they had a different lifestyle. Yeah, the uh, this was the song that sort of got him. Like the you said, this, this was the song you heard the most. Well, this is the song that sort of got him the attention in that whole Austin yeah. scene. You know where he starts getting known as a fixture at the armadillo yeah. it's funny he you know he would when he would play the armadillo he would usually share the bill with like jerry jeff walker kenneth threadgill who i didn't know actually performed but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right up the road from us well i know yeah. threadgills but no he, where he yeah he, yeah it's where he, it, he, um, bw used to play up there with Ken. oh god yeah, really threadgills yeah. it's not there anymore ladies and gentlemen no, because california made them take it down <laughs> Be the best chicken fried but, steak. But as as Doug mentioned, he uh, B. W. Stevenson died at a at a very young age, thirty eight, um, yeah. and and it was right before he released his final album, the album we yeah. talked about that was um, posthumous release. Yeah, yeah, that was that he was kind of getting his his way finally and being able to record the way he wanted to. That song, that album. Did we even mention the name of it? It's a Rainbow Down the Road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Rainbow Down the Road. It was actually so he died in what eighty eight, right? Eighty eight. This album wasn't the album wasn't released until ninety on CD. Two years later, um, God, I'll never, so yeah. a couple of interesting things. One is Poor David's Pub in Dallas 
holds an annual songwriting competition in his memory. Yep. Um, I've actually played at that. Oh, cool. Before. Yeah. Um, which is a cool thing. And and this, um, this is just a little... Wasn't my songs, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a little brief aside with a, a weird connection I have. B.J. Thomas sang at his funeral. Wow. B.J. Thomas's daughter was in my class in high school. Oh, so really? B.J. Thomas sang at my baccalaureate mass as well, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> but yeah, cool. I made it about me, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Well, J.M. did first. <laughs> well, and you know, I made it about me but when you know, I talked about torturing You know what's, what's, what's cool about that last album? I mean, it's got a, it's a, like a who's who of people on it. I mean, not only did Will Sandel and Ramsey produce part of it, but uh, the Muscle Shoals rhythm section played on it. Jeez. Willie Nelson, Jerry Jeff Walker, Stephen Fromholz. Johnny Gimble, oh, Stephen Bruton is on it. No I mean, way. Yeah, it, they all contributed to it. I think one of my favorite the, guitar players. I think this the Willie he does a duet with Willie on that album. I think. All right, so it's, we need to we get justice for uh, BW. We need to get that album out there so everybody in podcast land that's listening to this. Yeah. write your senators. This happened after he died, and Brooks and Dunn. Happened after he died. Yeah. And that would, can you imagine the payday that came from the Brooks yeah. and Dunn deal? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we just, real briefly, we, we mentioned he died in 1988. He kind of had, you know, My Maria became a, a, a hit for him. He did make several other albums. They just never really, never really took off. I mean, he was pretty prolific. He made uh, nine albums, I think, total. Yeah. One of them was a Christian album. Yeah. Song of Christian Songs. Doug said he wasn't, a, a, he didn't shy away from that, which is, which is fine. Yeah. And um, handy if you're going to die at 38. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's his other, none of his other albums. It, the one that they titled My Maria is good. It, it has, is good. It has, has three songs on it. They got play, and one of them is called uh, Sunset Woman. That, yeah. that got some airplay. Yeah. Well, he ends up moving to Warner Brothers probably a little too late. If he had started his career there, right. it might have been different. Yeah. But yeah. Um, they didn't know what to do with him either. They yeah. saw him as a pop musician. And and as I had mentioned earlier, more and more of his songs that he want, like he wrote, it was less of his his written songs on his albums. Yeah. I think the, the the one we talked about the um the last one Rainbow Down the Road only one song was a cover the all of them were his and some of them he re-recorded from his previous albums. I know we got to yeah. find that thing. Yeah, we got I tell you what, if he didn't have that angel's voice, everybody wouldn't have been shoving someone else's songs in his face. That's, yeah, that's, that's that's true, true. but but the weird thing is is he had that angel's voice but he also had the ability to write a song like <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. You know. He knew how to use his voice. He, very very well. He wrote great songs. He did, and, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's. It's almost like they turned him into a session singer at the end. <clears throat> anyway, well, that's very sad. Yeah. Very sad. All right, everybody. That wraps up uh, this album. One and, last uh, thing: if, if if you're about to get dumped, you need on my own. You need to have that handy handy anytime yep. you're about to get dumped ready to go yep and get ready to rip out your rear view at the same time <laughs> <laughs> time to move on all right okay well we're at the point in the podcast now where we uh give our reviews of the album this was a doug pick so we'll go to him last so i will turn to our humble producer jonathan jm row and ask you to give us your two ratings, as we always do, the critics' rating, as in terms of critical mind thinks, and then your personal rating, uh, how, where you would rate it um, okay. if you'd listen to it again <clears throat> on a scale of one to five, both, please. All right, this is going to be kind of difficult to know. Go, who do I go with first? I'm going to go with my critics' rating first. I think this is a fantastic album. Um, 
I think that it's, I think the, another band that was on uh, RCA at the time was Pure Prairie League. I can kind of tell that there is a little bit of uh, kind of cross pollination going there in the in the production values and all that sort of stuff. And so I, I think as a critic, I'm going to give it a, a four zero. I can really kind of tell that the production is the same on both of those albums, even though ones by you know anyway four zero for my my critics rating. I've mentioned that. Um, Dire Straits making movies is probably the album I've listened to the most in my life, and maybe Talk 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 by the Talking Heads, and there's probably been some Van Morrison <laughs> albums, but this talk, album Talk Talk by the Talking Heads. I'm sorry, Talk 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 by the Psychedelic Furs. Sorry about that. Or cool. Psychedelic 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 by the Psychedelic Furs. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but this album is probably the album that I listen to more as an adult than just about any album. Because it's just it just hits me someplace that it it's been with me since I was a kid and I, it is still speaks to me as an adult. That's a song of great songwriting. Uh, I'm going to give it a four eight. I, I'm going to ditch it a little bit for some of the production values. Yeah, there's uh, one song in here I wish they wouldn't have put on it, but other than that, it's it's a almost a flawless album. I'm going to give it a four eight. Okay, thanks, Jam. Um... So we'll go to me next. I this was I don't have the history from this of this album that the two of you have, so I've got a different perspective on it. I, I do think that and when we've said we say this from time to time, I think we're on more repeated listings, I may change my mind about this. I'll get I'm gonna give my personal rating first. There were songs on this that were difficult for me to get past the production of and and to be honest with you, almost made me angry because I wanted to hear what it would have sound. Cause I, you know, a lot of times we'll do an album that I don't like the production of, and I'm like, ah, okay, I get it. But there's not anything redeeming in my mind that would bring it beyond that. This, I see what it could have been. There are moments on this album that are remarkable. So I'm going to give it a three, eight personally, that that'll likely change. There are songs on this album. I will skip over not because of their quality in terms of songwriting, but because of their production with the exception of say what I feel, which I will always skip regardless. <laughs> and then critically, say what you feel. <laughs> I did critically. I, I kind of feel the same way about it. I mean, some of the things that bother me personally, I would, I think critically are also missteps. I, you know, the orchestration drowning his vocals out with, with, with choral singing. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, that also knocks it down a couple of notches for me. Critically, I'd say probably a three, nine, on that. So, um, you know, not, neither one of those are bad scores, just, uh, just something that, um, I think will may change over time. My personal rating probably change over time. My critical rating likely won't, but Doug, uh, if, if I were a judge, I would have to recuse myself because of deep, long commitment relationship with this album. So on a, on a personal level, it's a four, eight critical level. I would give it a, a four, three, I've already said all the things that I would ping it for. They're all they're all production, and uh, in one case, a song that yeah. should have been left off to make room for another BW song. This is a I've said this before. This is an album. I said this with uh, uh, JJ Kale. I don't have a replacement for this album. If I want to hear this, it's only this. There's not something close to it that I can play. So. And uh, unfortunately, none of the rest of his albums are as, as good as this one. Glad I got to see him before he died so, so young. 
I'm actually jealous of that. I wish I could have seen just him and a guitar up on the stage because I think that would have been really something. Yeah. If you're a guitar player, you'd stare at his hand the whole time. I yeah. can tell you that. Yeah. All right. We got. Want me to do my recommendation? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, this is the part in the podcast where I usually give a recommendation. I don't have one tonight, so we're going to go to JM. JM is going to give his recommendation. JM. All right. Uh, thanks, Tony. Well, we, this is a segment that we've uh, recently introduced. Uh, it's called We're Not Worthy. And the, the reason why we call it that is that we, it's not that we, uh, we think it's a great song or a great album that we think people should listen to, but we also don't know that we really have the uh, expertise or the uh, musical knowledge to really talk about it in any sort of real depth. I'm going to talk about a soundtrack album from the the mid 80s uh by Mark Knopfler of the Dire Straits and it's Local Hero. I believe this was his first uh foray into um scoring. So there's a there's some really kind of interesting stuff. It's it's very guitar based, but we're not talking about the guitars I want my MTV um or, you know, Brothers in Arms. We're not talking about that. We're, these are and this was made pretty close to when that album was put out it the guitars are just beautiful they're nice stratocaster clean stratocaster uh stuff that you he's never really he's never really played like this before uh it's also done with um a couple of other bands that are from ireland and scotland so it's got this kind of uh a lot of celtic influence on it as well it's a it's a really strange movie if you ever see it, but the soundtrack is amazing. He's also got a he doesn't Mark Knopfler doesn't sing on it. Jerry Rafferty uh, actually does one of the songs on it, and it is there's synthesizers, but it's just so the synthesizers are so organic. They're, most of them are played by Alan Clark, the Dire Straits keyboardist, but he actually also uh, helps with a lot of the arranging and the and the uh, just the the overall sound, the production of this this album. It's a beautiful album. I absolutely uh, love it. It's it, it's just a you know the songs are short or sometimes they're really really long. It's definitely a son, a soundtrack album, but I highly recommend it. If you want something to go to sleep to, uh, it's a great album to, to do that to. So it's Local Hero by Mark Knopfler. Okay, Jam. Thank you very much. You bet. Hey, Tony. Yeah. I want to recognize something real quickly here. Yeah, please. Please, Doug. As you know, we have listeners from around the world, and every now and then, a uh, during a week, a particular city pops up. Huh. We have four cities that have popped up this week. Denver, Colorado. That's our first. How many? Uh, Sydney. Australia. Up. Huh. Calgary. Well, and this yeah. one's a mystery to me. Statesville, North Carolina. Maybe they have a server there. They might have a server there. <laughs> um, no, that's interesting. Well, we welcome new listeners. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they're new, but they, yeah. they are... They're uh, going through a new server anyway. They're participating than you would expect from yeah. these places. I, what, I, I think Sydney's ahead of Houston, which I thought was so strange. Oh, that, that is, interesting. is interesting. I, I, I would also like to point out that something... I would like to point out something else uh, that's uh, newsworthy, I think, for us at least, um, and, and that is that we have hit a new high in the rankings on the American oh, podcasting right. yeah. chart uh, for music commentary. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's contributed to us 
uh, ranking in the top 50 music commentary podcasts in the, in the country of the United States. Uh, we thank you for your loyal listenership and uh, continued support. And please let us know what we're doing right and what we're not doing so right. We take both. Especially if you have something bad to say about JM. We're still waiting. <laughs> Can't believe that. Also, if you hate our podcast, if you just uh, click on it, you don't have to listen to it. Just, yeah, just, just start it. And then mistakenly click that five-star rating <laughs> over and over again. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of This is Vinyl Tap, the podcast that always goes to 11. If you like this episode and you're new to This is Vinyl Tap, please visit the podcasting platform where you downloaded us and leave us a review or uh, leave us some stars. We'd really appreciate hearing from you. And if you're inclined, if you know people who like the long player format, um, please let them know about this podcast. We'd like to get the word out as much as possible. You can also leave us a message on our Twitter account at Tapping Vinyl or visit our Facebook group page. But as always, for the ultimate, this is Vinyl Tap Experience. Visit our webpage, tappingvinyl.com. There you'll find links to past episodes uh, as well as uh, links to things that we've talked about in this episode, uh, rare recordings, rare photographs, even some rare videos. Uh, highly recommend it. Tony puts that together for us, and he, do, he does a great job. And you'll find out all sorts of stuff about albums and artists that you, you just won't find anywhere else. Um, next week we're going to be looking at a one of the great Prague album, uh, one of the great Prague albums of 1987, Marillion's Clutching at Straws. For our host Doug Cooper. Our co-host, Tony Schlegel, and me, your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe. This is Vinyl Tap, where all the podcasts go to 11, and we're feeling like a baby boy just being born. Fire!